It's Tuesday, October 29th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio from MFAM Funds. It's Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. If you like eating at restaurants or having food delivered to you, we've got two stocks in those categories. I would just add parenthetically, they are going very much in opposite direction today. We're going to start, though, with Alphabet. Shares down a couple percent because Alphabet's third quarter. It looks to me like a speed bump, but you looked at it more closely than I did. They, they, why would you assume that? They, well, I'll tell you why. Um, they were light on earnings. Everything else was essentially as expected. You're not giving yourself enough credit. Look at you revealing how closely you've looked at it already. I don't want for one second for anyone listening to this podcast to think for one second that I'm an analyst. I, over the years, I've gotten that comment from time to time. You know, you're a financial analyst. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm really not. Um, what do you call yourself at parties? <laughs> I don't really go to parties. Let's get back to Alphabet's third quarter. This this did look like they missed on earnings. Everything else, revenue was was sort of in line with expectations. The different divisions seemed to be performing about as expected. They didn't really do anything radical to the guidance. And so that's why I look at this and say, okay, yeah, I get why the stock is down two percent for a company and a business that has otherwise been crushing it for the last fifteen years. Yeah, it was up two percent yesterday, down two percent today. So I think that it's up about five percent over the last month. It's a little bit of a, I don't know, taking some profits kind of move rather than a, oh my God, there's something we didn't see here. Uh, kind of move. Uh, it uh, continuing to grow, sort of mid-teens, which is awfully impressive. Uh, top line uh, growth was up uh, 17.5% uh, year over year. Uh, so, you know, it continues to be an incredibly large company growing faster than you could really have hoped for. Well, one way the companies grow is through acquisition, and shares of Fitbit are up. Thirty percent since Monday morning on reports that both Fitbit and Alphabet are not commenting on uh, that Alphabet is going to buy Fitbit. Uh, Ruth Porat, the CFO at Alphabet, was asked about this and uh, declined to comment. Um, no reason she necessarily needed to, although it's always nice when executives comment on thing things. Um, Certainly, Alphabet has the money, and for a while now, I've been sort of throwing out there about Fitbit. They've Do got you get a cut <laughs> if this deal goes through for putting this one together? Uh, you know, I don't like to comment on that. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to like pulling a pulling a poor act. Yeah, here. like no, Ruth no Porat, I'm going to decline comment on that. No, I mean Fitbit has a, a, some level of brand equity. Um, there's a basic interface that has led to some level of success. There is some value to Fitbit. For a couple of years now, it has looked like, at the right price, someone with deep pockets would come along and make them some type of offer. Um, and if the reports from Reuters and other news agencies are to be believed, that has happened, and it just hasn't been formalized and announced yet. Yeah, I think that it makes sense on the level of Google being a sort of serial acquirer of, of ways to developer first of all, but also acquirer ways to get personalized data and then monetize it. And Fitbit is in the business uh, of collecting personalized data on on you. Ever ever used one? 
a Fitbit? No. Yeah. Uh, well, if you did, then there would be all sorts of data about you captured. And uh, the question is whether you want Google to capture it. You do, because you're an advisor on this one. <laughs> and therefore, you've got a stake in it. Or at least you've got some uh, mental uh, stake in it. Like, I suggested this, therefore, it must be a good idea. Look, any reports of my having dinner with Fitbit executives earlier this year, and then later in the year, executives of Alphabet, those are rumors, and I'm not going to comment on them. Well, so if Fitbit goes this direction, and as you say, Google certainly got the money to do it. They put a fair amount of money in the last quarter to share buybacks, which is, in a sense, the absence of an idea of what to do with your money, and they are not Technically, or typically, you know, running out of ideas. Uh, so I think they are uh, likely. Uh, certainly, the market is getting this, giving this report credibility uh, in terms of uh, the likelihood. Last thing on this topic, and then we'll move on. Right now, and this is obviously after a thirty percent rise, uh, Fitbit's market cap is just under one point five billion dollars. Let's assume that this deal goes through, and maybe there's even a slight premium to what we're seeing today. So, uh, I don't know, let's call it 1.6, 1.7 billion. How confident are we that Alphabet is going to make more of this acquisition than they made of, say, the YouTube acquisition that they made back in 2006, 2007? For which they paid roughly the same amount of money. If memory serves me correctly, I believe they paid $1.6 billion for YouTube. And all they did with that is turn it into the second biggest search engine in the United States. Well, I would bet that it will never come close in terms of value creation um, to YouTube, because that's a, that's a tough standard. And also, just if you were to compare, hey, what do you put more faith in? People taking care of their health or people sitting around and watching stuff? Just as a just as a proposition, right? I'm going to bet on the latter. <laughs> I'm going to bet on the latter, and uh, Google wisely bet on the latter. Uh, now, it's not to say that people aren't spending money taking care of themselves and aren't interested in how to take care of themselves better, uh, but uh, you know, I, I think that YouTube serves more of the lethargy that people are uh, prone to. Let's move on to Grubhub. Uh, third quarter. And coinciding guidance for Grubhub. I'm going to just use the word disaster because that's what's happening to Grubhub stock today. Um, their sales were weak. Their guidance for the fourth quarter was uh, somewhere on the range of disappointing to terrible. And shares of Grubhub, the last time I checked, were down 43%. Yeah, there was no good inform- no no good news for owners of, of Grubhub here and. The uh, competition continues. It continues to drive down prices. It continues to drive up costs, and it continues to erode uh, market share for Grubhub. And I think that of the many questions that can be asked about Grubhub is: Are you sure that you can convey how you are helping the businesses you partner with? 
uh, and and that really is not coming through on any of their you know calls. They they have started out with a pretty high price for the delivery service, and that is eroding through competition. And restaurants are not making enough money on the incremental meals that they're needing to produce to uh, serve. Um, what Grubhub uh, is able to provide in terms of possibly new customers, possibly just customers that are therefore not going to the restaurant, uh, and if they're not going to the restaurant, they're not they're they're maybe eating the same amount of food, but they're not purchasing alcohol, and that's where, as 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 you know, <laughs> that's that's where restaurants make all their money. Um, I'm reminded as this I'm just saying that because you know so much. Not that I'm alluding to not that that's <laughs> always my go-to move when I go to a restaurant. Um, I'm reminded of sort of what's playing out now with delivery services is what we saw. Uh, it's somewhat analogous to what we saw play out with credit card companies and restaurants over uh, the last 25, 30 years, where American Express. Charged a bit more, and with the rise of Visa and Mastercard taking a smaller cut from restaurants for their transactions, they became more a more popular choice. And so, whereas American Express as a card was very much a status symbol, and I'm sure some would argue, on some level, may still be, in terms of restaurants and increasingly retailers. Uh, as Visa and Mastercard became more ubiquitous, they basically went to American Express and said, "No, we're not. <laughs> we're not interested in paying you more uh, for transaction costs, and so um, we're no longer accepting your card." Yeah, I th- I think uh, that is that is true, and, and you know, over time, uh, the price will find itself for what. The service that Grubhub is actually bringing is, and in you know, in that vein, what Grubhub pointed to in the call and has been highlighted in more than one article that I've seen is that uh, Grubhub referred to the consumers as being more promiscuous. Yes, with their choice of food delivery services, implying that they understood. That there was a monogamous relationship that they had with customers. So this is in the letter. It's a comment from CEO. It is attributed to CEO Matt Maloney. Uh, we believe online diners are becoming more promiscuous. And let me just suggest that either they were trying to be a little cheeky with the humor there to try and soften the blow of this abysmal report, or on some level. They actually believed that. They believed that the value proposition that they were offering restaurants and diners was so amazing that they thought, well, once you once you try us, you're never going to do DoorDash or anyone else. Uber of course, eats. you're going to yeah, yeah, Uber Eats. Yeah, uh, that, and, and by the way, both of those are bad ideas. Uh, <laughs> going, maybe, for, going for the humor, or actually deluding yourself into thinking in 2019, when consumers have more choice than ever before, someone is going to quote unquote get married to Grubhub. Well, it, it okay as to using humor and that being a bad idea. That you may be correct in that that draws attention to itself, and 
uh, I think you know we we are guilty of trying to uh, use humor to lighten up situations uh, or to you know cover the fact when we don't know what we're talking about is just go to humor right and uh, I think that in this particular case it's the combination I think of humor and the word promiscuous which connotes really sex right yes yes that's what grabs attention. <laughs> Well, and let me go back to something you just said, which is using humor to cover the fact that we don't know what's going Why on. Why didn't they just use non-sexual humor? I say, <laughs> next time, do better communications team at Grubhub, because uh, it ends up not being worth the you know the quality of the laugh. Perhaps they got some laughs on on the call when they used that, but here they are stuck with us talking about this rather than the business. Although they don't really want us talking about the business today either. Uh, the other. Point that you had brought up is they may believe, and I think it is a part of the business plan. Hey, how do we get people to really be married to our uh, business and to not use the competition? How do we create brand loyalty? How do we stop people from going anywhere else? And if we can do that, then we're going to have a great business. And to date, they have found that they cannot do that. And the reality probably is that people will, it's just an app on their phone. They don't have that much loyalty to Grub versus DoorDash versus Uber Eats. You know, the person bringing the food to them is always going to be somebody different than the last time. So they don't have a a personal connection. They do with the end restaurant, but they're not going to have it with with the middleman. Yesterday, the stock was $59 a share. Today, it's in the low 30s. Do you buy it at this price, or are there more than enough questions that this is in the "don't touch" zone? Uh, I, I, I don't think they've provided the answers that you know an investor would want to have to know where this thing uh, you know shakes out against the competition. Um, I think that uh, they are talking about spending more money. Uh, they're talking about their costs going up, and we already see that their market share is eroding. So, where do the profits end up being, and are they able to uh, survive? You know, keep the level of profitability that they need to satisfy their their debt covenants. Uh, because if the margins decline further, uh, the answer to that is they will not, and they need to provide answers to that. At the other end of the spectrum, we have Texas Roadhouse uh, shares up 21% this morning. Third quarter profits and revenue for Texas Roadhouse came in higher than expected. Um, same store sales. Of, they've got the company owned restaurants, they've got the franchise restaurants, company owned doing about one percentage point higher, but both doing pretty solid, uh, basically solid comps for a restaurant of this size. Yeah, solid comps, and look, the the stock is up twenty percent or so uh, so far today. Uh, let's remember that it was down about fifteen percent going for the year going into today, and really it was showing similar solid comps uh, for the earlier part of the year, not giving enough answers to uh, a margin decline, uh, which it has now produced a little bit better an answer to. Uh, 
to the margin. Uh, they've, they've raised prices a little bit. They're not talking about raising prices anymore. They've gotten a little more efficient on the labor. Labor prices, if labor prices are stabilizing and you can look at the business as making more money as they make more sales, and really they were getting sort of um, increased sales but flat. Uh, you know, flat re- or flat profits. So uh, they bought back shares. They did a little bit of everything right, uh, and they also pointed to the first four weeks of this quarter that we're now in uh, as being uh, better comps than than last quarter in the five percent somewhere range. So people are showing up. They're eating. They're getting a little more efficient. Uh, they bought back some shares while share price was weak. Uh, whether all that should amount to a twenty percent. You know, rise in the stock in the stock price. I don't know. I, I think that's that's maybe a little bit of short covering. Maybe people were expecting some continued margin weakness, uh, but they've they've provided answers that uh, are reversing people's opinions about that today. So Texas Roadhouse has the namesake restaurant. So that's obviously the overwhelmingly the biggest part of the business. But they've got this essentially a sports bar uh, concept, uh, Bubba's Thirty Three. And one of the things that came up in the conference call was obviously that's a much smaller part of the business, but they've been growing that. They've been seeing much stronger comps there, encouraging enough that they're looking to expand those. And that's one of those things that there's only so much because it is such a small base, there's only so much that Bubba's. Locations are going to do to move the overall needle, but it is. I think if you're looking at Texas Roadhouse, that's something you want to keep an eye on over the next, call it, six to twelve months to see if they are able to continue to grow that location count. And you know, at some point, if they can keep those comps growing, and in this latest quarter, those comps are roughly double what they were doing at the. Company-owned Texas Roadhouse locations. They keep that up. That's something that actually will start moving the needle in 2020-2021. Yeah, I think that uh, Bubba's has been a question for a number of years, and they have sort of conveyed they're still working on things and they they like what they you know see over the long term. But I think they put a little bit more of an immediate future uh, in terms of they've. Sorted out some of the issues uh, that they were finding in terms of locations, and and now that the name has a little bit more of a national presence as as it has grown, it's got a lot more room to grow. And Texas Roadhouse has never been a, like a rapidly expanding operation. There there's a solid, consistent expanding operation, but you can see an end to that, especially given the markets that they tend to pursue. Uh, which are not, uh, you know, an infinite number of sort of downtown locations. They're they're more sort of outside, and and they like to be sort of the best restaurant opportunity in sort of the town or the area that they locate in. Uh, so that that reaches a limit on the number of times you can do that, and and Bubba's gives them perhaps a second idea, which is actually working out well. Uh, we're gonna. Get to the Halloween candy in just a second. But uh, if you're looking for even more stock ideas and recommendations, you can check out our flagship service, which is called Stock Advisor. You get recommendations from David and Tom Gardner. You get their best buys now and a lot more. You can just go to stockideas.fool.com. That's stockideas.fool.com. And 
50% discount for the dozens of listeners on Stock Advisor. That's what we're bringing to the table on this podcast. And we're going to dip into the full mailbag. Uh, all week, we're doing Halloween candy, overrated, underrated. Seth Jason actually got the ball rolling last Thursday um, with a strong take on candy corn. Uh, email from Adam Nelson. Who writes, candy corn by itself is not underrated. However, simply throw some candy corn and peanuts into your mouth at the same time and enjoy the totally underrated synthetic Baby Ruth candy bar. Uh, also, from uh, an email from Brian, who writes, as discussed on last Thursday's show, candy corn is definitely underrated, just like banana Laffy Taffy, a candy I believe was dissed last year. Therefore, I do question the palate of these dislikers. Overrated candy to me, would be Snickers. Our man behind the glass, Dan Boyd, I think would would take issue with that last comment, given his strong take on yesterday's show. I mean, and and I gotta say, I mean, I mean, Dan, if you want to jump in there, I'll just say, I mean, Snickers to me, Snickers to me is like Microsoft. It's like, uh, yeah, it's a trillion dollar company. It's the biggest company. It's like, yeah, it's um, there's still room to run there. It's like Snickers might be the most popular candy bar in America. It's like, yeah, there's a reason for that. You know, I was saying earlier that it's good when people write in and just, you know, expose themselves as having <laughs> terrible opinions because Snickers is unbeatable. It is the best candy. And, like, just don't at me, listeners, because you, I, don't, I don't need to hear how wrong you are. I, I, in, in Brian's defense, he wasn't adding you. That, that, that was in response well, to I think, I, I think that he also didn't hear, or he wasn't responding to yesterday's show. Right, right. When he wasn't I was, responding you know, to yesterday's Disparaging show. Milky Way and, and talking about Snickers. Yeah. Also, there were some people on Twitter who really were taking the other side of, uh, of Seth Jason's defense of candy corn and calling it underrated. Uh, Seth Jason was defending candy corn. He was he was calling it. Um, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, Austin Morgan did last week's last Thursday show. Yeah, um, yeah, he was saying underrated uh, candy corn, underrated. So I'm I'm going to defend him on that. And again, it comes back to where the ratings are, right? right? Because candy corn. Where is this stock trading? Right, candy corn has run into a lot of bad press lately, and I say. It's you know it's not an offensive candy. It's uh, yeah you know the the first three four eight candy corn you eat pretty good. It's just when you go a little past that that uh, you start getting sick. Let's move on to your ratings. Your overrated, your underrated candy. Bill Barker, you've you've been around since the 1930s. Uh, obviously, you have a lot of experience to draw on when it comes to Halloween candy. Right. So, Mary Jane's, I guess, would be the... <laughs> what are you going we're, at the, we're at the case. Uh, and root beer barrels. Uh, no, I, I, I'm, I've pulled up the uh, 538 uh, power rankings of uh, Halloween candy. So, I'm, I'm bringing some data to the equation. And that what they did is they... they Every one of these sort of like eighty some candies up against each other to see how often people picked one over the other to rank them all. And the number one rated candy was Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. And I am going to say that it is, although I like it, overrated on that basis. Uh, it's just not. And and one of the reasons why I would say Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, though a good candy, has to be overrated at number one is you can get. Better peanut butter cups from almost anybody. Like if you go to Trader Joe's and get their peanut butter cups, they're better, you know, and and cheaper. So how how awesome can it be if 
the most obvious, uh, you know, comparisons are better and cheaper. That's my take on on an overrated one. Although, don't at me. If I if I had like thirty Reese's peanut butter cups in front of me right now, I wouldn't have thirty pedium. <laughs> uh, what do you got for underrated? Uh, I I did have uh, candy corn because as I say it's it's wow. not it's not that bad it's 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 perfectly harmless where as compared to some of the press that you've heard about it which seems to make it out as being very harmful. Market Fullery at fool dot com is what are yours? Address. I'm 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 doing this all week, man. So my mine uh, just tune in Thursday. You'll get mine. You're only going one. I'm only going one. Huh. I don't need to bombard the listeners with this. <laughs> Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market 40. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.